Hi, everyone. We're live on Google Hangout. I'm Tim Continental along with Anthony Kepley, and you are listening and watching Radio MVP Sports Podcast. As this is our, our debut here on the internet using uh, Google Hangout, Anthony's in Canfield, I'm in Bourbon, as we uh, continue our uh, voyage here. Very exciting news we made last week on Facebook is our Facebook page and our website are live and ready to be activated for, or used, I should say, by our listeners and our, uh, our audience. And we really appreciate if you take that chance. If you search on Facebook, it's Radio MVP Pod. And on the internet, you can find us very simply as RadioMVP.com. All our podcasts are there and they're downloadable from the website and on SoundCloud, and hopefully you'll be able to watch us here on YouTube here uh, in the future as we uh, start this uh, Google Hangout style of our podcast. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Good to see you, my friend. What's going on with you? Not too much. Just want to uh, say a quick uh, thank you to all the people that reached out the past two weeks about the podcast and uh, congratulated us on getting it going. A lot of good feedback so far. Uh, from Minnesota to Florida to Michigan. So we're really looking forward to expanding our uh, audience and trying this new endeavor in Google Hangout. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it as we uh, we get going here. This is all new technology to me. I've heard about it for the last three, four years, but I've never really used it before. And this is a great opportunity uh, maybe just to make more podcasts in and get it to our audience a little bit faster and um, possibly we're going to be able to add the video live stream to our website in the future. I talked to our webmaster uh, and he said it is a possibility. He's going to look into it for us as we continue. And I hope you all take a, the opportunity to go to, again to our website, radiomvp.com. I'm going to say that a lot because it's up. I'm proud of it. Anthony's proud right. of it. We're going to get started to uh, really get involved in our Facebook pages, if you can like it and share it. And uh, that, I believe right now, I think in will be where we do a lot of our kind of blogging and post about what's coming on uh, for the upcoming week or any type of uh, information we want to uh, send out that we're not doing on the podcast that day or just want to uh, illuminate on. Yeah, I... Uh actually was uh, planning on writing a blog tomorrow on uh, my initial blog about uh, just what we've seen through the first two and a half weeks of the Major League Baseball season, um, expanding on the Indians. Uh, will they turn it on at home? And their uh, struggles to hit left-handed pitching, but as well as their uh, strong start on the Central on the road. Uh, you go 5-1 and one on the road trip in the American League Central, and that's uh, – that's a good way to start out the season. I know tonight, you know, Dallas Keuchel came in, I think it was a .96 ERA, if I'm not yeah, mistaken, he, which is absolutely filthy. He's, he's the type of lefty that gives the, the Indians a lot of trouble in the past. Yeah, he, a guy who, I won't say a soft thrower, but, you know, he's going to hit maybe 90, 92 on a fastball. And he's, he's going to keep you off balance. And uh, he did that tonight. I mean, the Indians did hit him hard a few times. I mean, Kipnis just missed the home run. They had the two home runs in the ball game by Jackson and, of course, Brantley in the ninth inning. So I think the opportunity 
hit him, was there. They missed a few innings. They just couldn't string uh, an inning together where they got four or five hits. It just never materialized. They get a couple people on and then a, a double play or, you know, some other thing would happen. But you're right. Uh, against left-handers right now, early in the season, I want to say a struggle, but maybe not as uh, we're at this point last season. They definitely, uh, I believe, are better off facing a hard-throwing lefty, a Aradis Chapman who throws 99 to 100. Uh, he can supply the power. They just got to get the bat on the ball. When you face a Keuchel or a Derek Holland, uh, which they faced on Sunday, who paints the corners, who wants to move the ball in and out, up and down, and use every part of the strike zone instead of blowing it by you, that's when I see the struggle. I also think tonight uh, the umpire strike zone uh, paid a factor into the success of Keuchel and Plummer as well. Both like to keep the ball down yeah. and out of the zone. And when they when he started calling the outside low strike, that was going to be big for both pitchers. And you saw guys both on Cleveland and Houston get rung up a couple of times or maybe swing at a ball that they normally wouldn't swing at. Uh, but it's only game 19. They're 10 and 9 at this time last year. Uh, they were 9 and 10, I believe. Yeah, you know, and, it's it's April. Kansas City last year this time was five games up, I believe. No, I you don't want to you don't want to dig yourself a hole uh, like Seattle has or the Royals have already. Um, but 10 and 9, Kittness is starting to get better at bats. And the pitching is starting to get better. Tom went again through a decent start. He went six innings. That's a quality start. He gave up three runs. And in his defense, his defense wasn't solid behind him tonight. A couple misplays by Lindor. Um, and Houston just put the bat on the ball, and they found a lot of holes. That's a deep lineup. They keep coming at you relentlessly. And that's something the Indians are going to have to face if they want to see October again. And, you know, like we said, it's only game 19, so a long way to go, 143 to be exact. So, right, so right. Got a lot of baseball left. Hopefully, I said coming in, if you can split the Tomlin and Bauer starts, they seem to pitch back-to-back -back in games one and two series or two and three. If you can split those two starts, then you roll, roll it over to Corey Kluber. That's your race. That's your stopper. That's your igniter for a win streak. He did it last week. Let's see if the Indians can't get back, take the Brantley home run as momentum, and roll that into a uh, two-game win streak heading into a series over the weekend against the Mariners, in, which leads up to a big early season series next week in Motown. It should be a lot of fun, but I think you hit it on the button there when you're talking about, you know, Winning the series, and that's basically what you want to do every every time the uh, Indians uh, enter a series. You want a, an opportunity to take two out of three. And in the scenario where the Indians top three pitchers are one, two, and three, and then you look at you know Tomlin and Bauer uh, at the bottom of the rotation, if you get a win out of one of those two every time out, you're going to probably win three out of five most mm -hmm. times, and you're going to have a great opportunity maybe to uh, put a streak together because of the bullpen and uh, what they bring to the table each and every night. And then, like I said before, it, it's only you, you're not going to win 
the pennant in April, but you don't you want to put it. yourself mm -hmm. in a hole where you have to dig yourself out of a huge, you know, deficit in April. And that, so far, the Indians have avoided that. And, you know, that's the key. You know, last year, I think they didn't ki catch fire really until June. And yeah, they went they on that big win streak. And that's really what it comes about. You got to just you know, kind of buy your times, kind of find your identity. You got to make your pitches. You got to make your hits. Get a few W's uh, either, you know, throughout the game. Maybe get lucky with a few uh, late-inning uh, surprises. And in a sense, you uh, get some momentum on your, on your way on the schedule. But, you know, it's April. I like where they're at. Yeah, I would like to see a little bit more consistency out of the bats, but I'm not going to uh, complain when you have a winning record, even if it's only one game above 500 and less than 20 games played. Yeah, and last year through 25, they were 12 and 13, and five games back of Chicago and Kansas City. Uh, and right, they won Chicago 94 off last, that year. Year. last year. Uh, right yeah, now, Chicago they're on pace to win 90 as of yesterday, uh, coming into today. So who knows what can happen. We are in a better position. We're sleeping better uh, than Giants fans and Blue Jay fans who had high hopes for this season. I think right now, if you're a Giants fan or a Blue Jay fan, and even a New York Mets fan, you have to be panicking a little bit. They just put Duda and uh, I think Wilmer Flores in the DL today or yesterday. If you're a Giants fan, the loss of Bumgarner got to just crush you. I mean, yeah. you're talking two months, if not more, you know, from his uh, motorcycle accident or, or what do you want to call it, dirt bike accident and uh, falling on his left shoulder of all the shoulders, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your pitching shoulder. Stay so that's, off that's the huge, dirt bike, Corey Kluber. Yeah, it's a huge, huge loss for them. Uh, he is there. They won their last World Series. Let's be honest. I mean, what he did in the, in the uh, playoffs that year, was phenomenal. He put that team on his back, and that's what a starting pitcher can do in the playoffs. We seen it last year with uh, Corey Kluber, what he did for the Indians all the way through the playoffs, going on short rests, and you know what he brought. You seen what the bullpen meant to the Indians this past uh, October. So you know we understand what happens, and you know unfortunately those type of injuries that are off the field have a chance or could be very very influential into a person's. Uh, career i should say mm -hmm. and you know you hate seeing that i wish them the best uh but yeah the, the giants are going to struggle because they don't have their their ace going on every five days and let alone his bat yeah and he i think he went deep twice on opening day this year yeah i mean he's, he's just playing a stick yeah. you know there was a campaign to try to get him in the uh, all-star game and, and the home run uh, contest this year as the start of the season. So I guess we don't have to worry about that campaign any longer. No, I think that has been put, you know, him swinging the bat is the last thing uh, the giants are thinking right now. They're just hoping and praying that that shoulder is not as severely injured where it's going to cost him um, much more time mm -hmm. than what uh, the six to eight weeks that they're talking about. And I heard some reports saying two months minimum, and it might be even longer than that. So it shows you, uh, the fragility of uh, pitchers and how important they are to a, a ball club. As for the Blue Jays, uh, talking about a, a cold start. Cold. I mean, cold's you, an understatement, Tim. Huh? I said cold's an understatement. That's just a I mean, it's, bad it's, baseball team right it now. It is 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 horrendous. I mean, I've seen worse, but not 
not a team Credit that ever thought had a chance to win the East. And right now, they're looking at a team that if they could finish 500, that would be huge right now with the whole uh, – they they what, only won three games so far this year? I mean, it's I just – it's amazing. Going into yesterday but, against the Angels, they were five and twelve. I think yeah. five and thirteen. Let me not Um Speaking about the Indians' pitching staff and Corey Kluber, you could argue Carlos Carrasco has done the best job of any starter this year the Indians have had. He's looked downright filthy. He was limited in spring training. Mickey Calloway and uh, Francona were worried about that, and he has come out. And just made really good hitters in Todd Frazier, Jose Abreu, just looked off balance and straight silly. Oh, there's no question, you know. And you know that's just the way it works, though. I mean, you got you, when you're off balance, there's not much you can do, no. you know. And uh, you just got to move forward and you know wait for the next opportunity. But you know, as uh, you know, that's baseball, and and that's just the way it works. You know, looking at some of the other things going on in the world of sports, everybody's getting excited about the NFL this time of the year because of the uh, draft coming up on Thursday. The first round's on Thursday, second round on Friday, and then, of course, uh, round three will follow around, or I should say, the third day of drafting will follow that rounds four through seven. So it should be a very important uh, position here uh, in Northeast Ohio. I know you're a Broncos fan. I am. I am talk a little Cleveland Browns here because the Brownies got the number one pick overall and a lot of a lot of rumors flying around I'm telling everybody right now I would be shocked beyond belief if Miles Garrett is not the number one overall pick by the Cleveland Browns because he is the best player on the board and you just cannot not take the best player available bottom line when you have that first opportunity I don't care how much they need a quarterback. And yes, I'm in total agreement that they need a quarterback. They got a lot of opportunities to make other moves and we'll see what happens. But Miles Garrett has to go number one to the Browns. The number 12 pick, anything's possible. You I think anything's like possible. Uh, they could trade it. <laughs> Osweiler, you never know. He may start the season as number one in the Cleveland Browns. I, you can keep I'm, him. Not, <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to happen, but. Uh, I really don't even know if you'll even see a uh, training camp, to be quite honest with you, in Cleveland Browns uniform. But stranger things have happened in the NFL, and it wouldn't shock me. But, uh, you know, I'm really curious to see how the uh, some of the players from Ohio State do. Uh, you're talking about maybe four players going in the first round this year. I think they had five last year. Five, and, yeah. Uh, it, it, it wouldn't shock me if they get three, maybe four this year. I mean, you're looking at, you know, Curtis Samuels right there, who could be a late first-round draft pick, would not shock me at all. And then you look at someone, you know, you got Hooker, who may go, you know, top of the uh... – I have him right now, and Daniel Jeremiah is my seventh of San Diego. Yeah, I mean, he can go top ten with ease. Easily. You know, you can look at – people have him ranked number two overall. Some people have him around ten. It all depends on what ranking and who's doing it, you know. Obviously, you know, those are the two I'm really looking forward to. You know, I mentioned Samuels, and then, you know, you got Lattimore, who's probably the top cornerback available in this draft. So, I mean, there's so many. I mean, Hooker, the top safety, Lattimore, the top, you know, defensive back, cornerback. 
You got Jones, who's like a wide receiver slash mm-hmm. running back. Uh, so, um, excuse me, I said Jones, but I meant uh, Samuels. So, who knows You know what's going to happen there, but I'm really excited. I think there's like 10 players that I think are going to be really interested to see where they land and what happens. You know, Garrett being one, Hooker, Lattimore, uh, Conley, and then Samuels from Ohio State. And then you look at someone like the two quarterbacks, where Watson and Trubinsky goes. That's going to be, I think, one of the big storylines of this draft. Uh, you know, quarterbacks, they're always their premium for, and I expect them to go in the first round. I know most fl- people who work in the media who work on a draft probably have them ranked more as a second-round value pick, uh, not necessarily a first round, but as you know, as I know, uh, Quarterbacks go early because they are the quarterback, and this is a quarterback league. You need a quarterback. You know, you seen your Broncos last year uh, make that move to get the quarterback um, and, and take him maybe even um, earlier than expected when when pa- Paxton went last year. Yeah, that uh, obviously was a surprise to me. Uh, again, I wasn't in the meeting room of the war room. John Elway really liked him, but I. I tell you what, though, Tim, speaking from a Broncos perspective really quick, if Trevor Simeon isn't the starting quarterback opening night against the Los Angeles Chargers now, that's still yeah. what to say, uh, I would be very surprised. But then again, I'm not John Elliott or Vance Joseph. They have a, a system, and they'll find the best guy available. Speaking of uh, defensive backs from Ohio State real quick, uh, do you see the news on Gary on Conley released earlier today? Yeah, I did. It's an interesting story in a sense. I don't know all the facts. Um, anytime you, you're accused of a um, a crime like that, you know, of a, a sexual crime, it's a it's a very serious thing. But from what I've read, it seems to be more of someone maybe trying to take advantage of somebody's celebrity and opportunity here. We'll have to wait and see. I, I really don't know the facts of the story from what I've read. And, you know, there's obviously it's all hearsay. We don't know what went on in that room. And uh, those who were there have a totally different story than she does. And that's a he he said, she said type thing. Let's see, but I don't think it's going to really affect him Big time in the draft. I don't think this is going to guy who's going to we're going to see a, a major fall uh, from the grace and you know maybe lose like 12, 14, maybe fifteen positions in the draft. I really don't think that's the case here. It's just funny that the story comes out two days before the first round of the draft. It, it seems these stories always come out about players that are fringe players in the first or second round, and I think. Like you said, it smells maybe of someone trying to cash in on a paycheck. Again, I don't know all the facts. Uh, right. I just saw that earlier, and I it is honestly, it's a big story being from Northeast Ohio. I was a lot of Buckeye fans tuning in, um, but it could have a major effect on his draft, you know, status. Let's mm-hmm. face it; it has happened in the past. I, from what I'm reading and what I've read. I would say chances of it having a huge impact may not be as large as maybe what we've seen last year, you know, with the number one overall uh, belief when he fell down to the Miami Dolphins because of the uh, the tweet that went out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the, I uh, with the gas mask. 
Yeah, that was just a weird story from the beginning. I don't, I still don't know what really happened. I, and I'm not sure I want to know what happened with that. That's just a very weird story. Uh, I also feel bad for the kid because it sounds like he did get hacked by someone in his circles. Um, and that's again why coaches say the part of a player's success is who's around them. Do they have oh, good people bad, around them? You know, you look at all the good players coming out in this year's draft, and most of them have good circles, good core people around them. And that's why I really believe wherever Deshaun Watson goes, he'll be a star. Maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but I, I just think the kid's a winner. And at the end of the day, in the NFL, you want winners. Oh, there's no question. And they're always going to find a spot on a roster for a kid that's a winner. Yeah, and you know what? Bottom line, you hit it on the, you hit it there. Is you have to be, you know, talent wins out every time, and mm-hmm. those who put in the work and are not afraid to show up on the practice field, those who are the ones who uh, not just jump the highest and run the fastest and lift the greatest numbers in, in the. Uh, and the combine matters. It's, it's how you play on the field and what you do and how you react to your teammates and how your coaching staffs uh, previously at the collegiate level really believe in you. And that's what you really do the, the research on these players. They know exactly who they're getting. And when they ask, you know, you always hear the question, you know, from the combine. And, and it doesn't matter who it is. The, the question always is uh, you're sitting in the uh, – in the meeting room and you're in the front in the front row and one of the leaders of the team and one of the premier players of the team comes up to that guy and says you're in my seat what do you do and it's a it's it's a loaded question the answer the correct answer is i give my seat up and i move to the second row where i can be right there ready for the next completely agree for, you know but a lot of these young young kids, you know, and it's part of being in football. You have an ego, and mm-hmm. you know you don't want to back down from somebody. So, uh, you know, when they say, "Well, I wouldn't move," they're going to say, "Well, there's four other seats next to you that you can move to. There's a second row you can move to. Would it? Would it? What would that do to you?" Yeah, and those and, guys, you know, when you recognize that, and it's just a matter of of immaturity. Really, it's just something recognizing what they're going to face as in the NFL because these things happen every time in meeting rooms mm-hmm. and in locker rooms and stuff like that. So it takes time for these uh, young kids who have been at the top of their game at the high school level and at the collegiate level, all of a sudden, even though they may be first round draft picks or second round draft picks and, and big important parts of a NFL team, most of the time uh, they're at the bottom of the rung and they have to work their way back up. And they've never really faced that for many years. Uh, they've always been at the top of their mm-hmm. class. And the talent has always led them to the uh, the number one slot, either on the defense or the offensive side of the ball. So we'll have to wait and see how these players react in that. But, uh, you know, and I think that's kind of what they're going to find out about Conley is his character throughout this, what happens to him, you know, how he handles this situation. And, how they move forward at it and not just him, but how his people around him handle it. You know, and his friends, his, uh, his teammates, his future teammates, 
and uh, you know his representation. You know when they uh, talked to him about the situation that has developed. Speaking of uh, players going number one, it just screams to me that Cleveland is dying for a player like Miles Garrett, a tough defensive player that sets the edge, that has an attitude, and that can wreck an opposing offense. And when you got to face Andy Dalton and A.J. Green, Joe Flacco, Ben Roethlisberger, and Antonio Brown, you have to have a guy that can make those elite quarterbacks. And, yes, Joe Flacco is elite. He's won a Super Bowl. You have to make them uncomfortable. You have to make them uncomfortable. And I think you can get by with Cody Kessler maybe or Brock Osweiler or stealing a quarterback later in the draft. Um, if you don't draft Miles Garrett, if there's a team who would screw this up, <laughs> history says you're probably correct on that we'll wait and see I, honestly i don't see how the browns pass up garrett i can't uh, i think what you have here is typical draft time half uh, smoke signals that every team sends up to try to uh get some phone calls and get some offers and find out what's going on i do think the the number 12 overall pick for the Browns is going to be a very interesting move, what they chose to do. If mm-hmm. they stay at 12, and let's say Trubisky's gone, and you know, and possibly maybe even Watson's gone or he's on the board, what they choose to do there. I would not be surprised. Walker. And I wouldn't I wouldn't be disappointed if they went defense two times in a row. Uh, and, you know, I could see them absolutely going defense to get a, uh, a linebacker or another defensive end to uh, sh- really sure up that front seven. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they did that. I think there's a lot of opportunities there for them. Now, if they trade up, use that 12th pick to trade up, mm-hmm. possible, you know, I'll throw out a trading partner in the past for the, Indi- or for the Browns, and that's like uh, the Jets, you know. Uh, if the Jets decide that they're not going to take a quarterback at six and that they do want to move back out of that position, they can move, they can fall back to the 12th position, and the Browns could probably give up like a fourth round draft pick, which mm-hmm. they have two of, or a fifth round draft pick with that 12th pick to move up. And that's basically, if you look at the charts of what it's worth to move up six spots, you know, from 12 to six, that's about what you're looking for. Um, when you think about where the Browns are at, that's going to be a possibility. I'll tell you, a player I want to see the Browns have an opportunity to draft. I'm not sure he'll be there uh, come second round. But uh, if you're looking for a wide out, since the Browns lost, you know, some need some help there with the loss of uh, some of the players that they've had. I like Zay Jones. I mean, what he brings to the to the uh, a team is just phenomenal. From East Carolina, I'm a big fan of his. You know what he did in the uh, the Senior Bowl and what he's did for East Carolina this year. That's a guy uh, who I think can help this uh, Cleveland Browns team. You know, with that thirty third overall pick. But I mean, we'll wait and see what they do. He's just a guy I have kind of like I have a star next to. I'm kind of hoping that he's available and see how the Browns react to that possibility of uh, going uh, offense with that second pick if they go defense first two picks. Now, if they trade up for a quarterback, I think the second round's open to anything. 
they don't make that move for a quarterback in the second round and they stay put at 12 and they go defense, defense with number one and number 12, uh, Zay Jones sitting there at number 33, if he's there, that's going to be tough to pass up. If I'm the Browns, I would hand the curtain right now for Miles Garrett. And then oh, I think that's done. I think that's done. I honestly do. I don't. I, I I just don't see a way that they don't take Garrett. They have to take the number one player on the board. He's is it's a no doubter. Uh, not every number one player works out. We've seen that in the past. You know, mm-hmm. uh, with not just the Browns but other teams. I mean, uh, Jake Long, I believe, just retired. Yes, he did. Uh, from. Uh, I think he was with Minnesota last year, and you know right. he was drafted Tennessee in 2008 by Miami. 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 He had the first three yeah. years he played real well, but after that, injuries really took over. I wouldn't call him a flop, but I wouldn't necessarily say he was a success. Where you got ten years out of a player, if you're Miami, you have to call it a flop. You only got like five or six years out of the guy before uh, that he moved on. I think he ended up playing for three or four teams at the end of his career. Yeah, he was a journeyman, I think. And it was a number one pick overall. So he, there's a lot of those out there. There's more recognized, but I don't think Garrett's going to fall into that category. I really don't. I think he has the ability to be great. Um, and we'll see exactly what happens, you know. Um, but I Ron really, Miller really like he's him. the best defensive end he's seen. I, you just can't pass up defense. Your no, front no. seven means so much in the NFL. I mean, you know that as a Bronco fan. When yes, they won I the do. championship two years ago. I mean, Peyton Manning was a manager that year, and he did a terrific job. Even though he was injured, he couldn't necessarily be as accurate as he was four or five years prior or even three years prior, but he was perfect quarterback for the perfect situation that year. And, uh, you know, they ended up winning the Super Bowl because of the front seven and what they did. Yeah, and you look at the Giants. When the Giants won their two Super Bowls, it was their defense. It was the front seven that helped Eli Manning win two Super Bowls. I'm not saying he wasn't a factor. Obviously, he is. But you can see how defense plays a major role in the NFL. It gets overshadowed by the offense because it's so much fun to watch points get scored and uh, in the celebration. But defense championships and front seven in football is huge. And Matter of fact, now you can even say all 11 on defense is huge because the yeah. defensive backs right now are are really, really going to be a premium. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And this draft has a lot of them. Yeah, and, this uh, has a lot to do with that. But, you know, <laughs> there's, a, there's a few of them uh, throughout the uh, country that are, are going to be really important uh, pieces that are going to come in the second and third round. This is a defensive draft. You're not going to see a lot of superstars on the offensive side, but I think we're going to see a lot of great defenses, or I should say defenses get improved this week because of the NFL draft and the players that are available. Defense wins championships. Offense sells tickets. If you look at the past five or so years, what Seattle did in that Super Bowl, which still gives me nightmares, uh, with that defense beating us 43-8, to oh, God, makes me cringe. They really set the standard to you better have not one, but two or three dominant edge rushers and then a ball hawking secondary. And I think uh, Pete Carroll put that plan into motion. It worked very well. It still works. Uh, John Elway has taken that plan and brought Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware, Derek Wolf, and at the time, Malik um, Jackson. 
And I think the Browns, what the Browns would be smart doing is getting Miles Garrett and then getting a Derek Barnett from Tennessee. I really liked watching him last year on the SEC Network. I really liked watching him. Or maybe a Salmon Thomas from Stanford if he's still there. I don't know at 12 if he'll be there. But if I'm the Browns, I'm definitely loading up the front seven um, because you saw – what a dominant front seven and front four specifically can do to an opposing quarterback. Cam Newton still has nightmares of Vaughn Miller and Marcus Ware coming off the edge, and he may never get those out of his head. Uh, there's no doubt. I'll tell you a player who uh, the Browns may uh, have their sights on at 12 is uh, Reuben Foster from Alabama. I would just uh, there's a linebacker. You team him up with uh, with Garrett in the first round, and all of a sudden you've got a defense that has a, really a chance to make an, an impact, and that will keep you in ball games, and that's going to give you an opportunity, uh, even if it's Osweiler at quarterback. Oh, uh, God. I don't think that's going to happen. I just like saying that because it's funny. Uh, but, you know, hey, it, it could happen. You never know. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Browns quarterbacks situation. I wouldn't shock me if they try to trade up into the top 10 to try to get Trubinsky or Watson, uh, depending on who's available at that time and what their, what their belief they're, uh, what they're willing to give up to get it. It looks like, uh, the Garofalo, uh, trade will not happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, New England wants a ransom and the Browns are not willing to pay that ransom. So uh, we'll wait and see what happens. Maybe that's a year away, a free agency for the Browns, if that's what they choose to do. Who knows? I mean, it's so far off. Anything could change in a moment's time, especially on trades, yep. um, especially on the first round or the second round. And the Browns has chips to play with. So I think they're going to be the most interesting team this year to pay attention to, not just because they have the number one overall pick, but because they have so many picks. I think they got six in the first 108 picks. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. They definitely loaded up. There's no excuses this year. There's no, well, we're reboting or we're going to take a year to see. There is no excuses this year for the yeah, I mean, right. I don't want to punt on a quarterback because that means you're just another year behind. But in the same vein, unless you truly believe in the quarterbacks that are available, then you may have to punt on the quarterback this year and focus on other players. You know, that's what they did last year, and I really didn't have a problem with it. I know a lot of people did uh, going into that draft when they made that trade a few days before the draft with Philadelphia to move back down and get those extra picks. I just did the Browns were, were lacking talent, and the more talent mm -hmm. you can put on a team, the better off you are. And if you're not ready to win, then it doesn't really matter if you have the quarterback or not. If you had the quarterback, you may have won two or three more games last year. So what? What did yeah, it, what that, what is, that really have done for you? Other than but, make your fans feel good. And, and that's important. Don't get me wrong. But in the bottom line, you know, when you're trying to build a team, you have to uh, have assets to play with. And that's important. I mean, look at the Cavs. They had all those assets, uh, you know, with the draft when they got all those uh, – draft picks over the years, and when LeBron came back, you know, everything went into focus, and, you know, they get, they ended up with a championship. Say what you will, they ended up with a championship, and that's the bottom line. And if you can build a seed uh, to grow that plant, to make that uh, championship caliber team, then you have to take it. You have to take it. Yeah, I, yeah, I with the 
respect of passing on uh, Carson Wentz last year, I don't know if he would have been a stud in Cleveland. There's no talent there. There was no talent last year for him to be a stud. Would he have been an upgrade? Yes. But well, well, here's 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 the argument of, of of drafting him is you would have been one year closer to finding out how good he could be, and you'd be one year closer to uh, you know he would have been your name your starting quarterback going forward, and you're building the team around him. Right now, the Browns are building a team without a quarterback. That's where the argument comes is they would have the quarterback that they want to build around today versus where they're at today. They're building a team without an established quarterback or someone who they bring back uh, on their roster as we speak. If I'm a Browns fan, and thankfully I'm not, I wouldn't – toss out the idea of maybe bringing in Jay Cutler for a year. He can't be any worse than the guys in the draft. Don't you think he's going to be heading to Houston? I mean, do you really think Tom Savage is going to be their starting quarterback? I mean, from what I'm hearing from the Texans, they like him down there. There's a reason I know they do. I know they do. And I'm not I mean, they set Brock Osmer in his $80 million contract on the bench for Tom Savage, who almost lost to Youngstown State. Yeah, I know. I don't know what to tell you. I just, I, I can only say, you know, right now, Tom Savage is the number one. And, you know, is Bill O'Brien really going to go with that? I don't know. I, I mean, he may. He may. I mean, I don't know what the, you know, what Houston chooses to do, but. Um, if there's a guy that's going to be an interesting choice, I don't think he's going to find a team until after the, you know, maybe not till June. I if, agree with that. And here's the thing with Cutler. I mean, he is what he is. He's he's yes, he can start for your team. Um, he's not a winner. But are you really going to get anything? Are you going to win anything with him? And I, I don't think you are. I think it has been proven, you know, where he's been uh, in his career in Denver and in Chicago that he at best is an eight and eight quarterback. And is that really what you want to do for a year? You want to buy your time? Okay, I can understand that. But I don't necessarily think it's the uh, the correct move. Yeah, he is the guy that got benched for Kyle Orton in Denver. I mean, yeah, enough said. <laughs> Josh enough McDaniels said. didn't like him enough, and they put in Kyle Orton. That's got to tell you. And Kyle Orton lost his job <laughs> to Tim Tebow. Yeah, Tim Tebow, baby. Bring him back. Yeah, that's, him my guy, That's my guy, That's my guy. What, Timbo? Yes, I have a Tim Tebow jersey. I should have worn it today on the air. I have a lot of respect for him because uh, he pursued his uh, his opportunity and his dream. He got drafted number one by Denver. He actually won some games, got to the playoffs. Six straight. You mm-hmm. know, give him credit for what he did. He may not have been the most talented quarterback to ever possess uh, a starting position in the NFL. I one time I used to say let's bring him to Cleveland because it'd be more fun than watching him play than anybody else play. But uh, you know, hey, with the baseball uniform on in the Mets organization, I I think it's late in uh, someone's athletic career to try to make that change. Mm-hmm. I'm rooting for the guy. I, I don't know too. anybody who doesn't love the guy enough to say he's not rooting for him. But I don't expect. Uh, you know, I'm put it this way. It's a high bar to get to the major leagues, and he's what twenty eight years old. He 
28, 29, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and just starting over, and he's that low class A, single A. He might be low 30s. He might be around 30. You know, I'm just saying, I'm going to say 28, 29, you know, and it's just, it's going to be difficult. Hey, he's, he's, he's a, uh, he's a terrific personality. He's someone everybody wants to know, and you would be proud to call your friend. And I wish him well. I think his desire to get to the uh, play baseball, we'll, we'll wait and see how he develops. I mean, it's very difficult to hit a round ball with a round bat after not playing for 10 years. Yeah. It's and just I, it's very difficult. Ask, ask Michael Jordan how difficult that is. Let me say this, too. Tim Tebow took over a Denver team that was 2-6 and six or 2-7. and seven. I think they were 2-7 and seven when he took over. He, a defense that was ranked 28th or 29th in the league, and he turned that team on a six-game win streak to win the division and to beat Pittsburgh and the division in the wild card round. And he's still – at the end of that, he's a winner. And whatever team he's on, he makes him better. Now, I do think, though, that there is something – Tim Tebow only wants to play for teams that are orange and blue. He played for Florida, the Broncos, and now the Mets. I mean, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's the orange and blue connection. But no, it's. Uh, I like Tim Tebow. I was actually, uh, still to this day, I am was not a huge Peyton Manning fan. I wasn't all on board to signing. Uh, yes, he helped us out. Um, but I felt bad for Tebow because he made football relevant again in Denver. He, people who don't realize this, Denver's only had seven non-winning seasons in the past 30 years. And they're the third winningest team in the NFL since Pat Bowen took over ownership. So losing in Denver, let alone nine and seven, is not acceptable. So uh, Tebow obviously endeared himself to Bronco fans big time with a playoff win. There's no doubt about it. Speaking of the playoffs, the NBA's in stride right now as the uh, Cavaliers have moved on to the second round with a four-game sweep. Maybe not the most impressive four-game sweep you've ever seen, but you know what? They got the days off. They got the four games in. They had. They got st- I want to say challenged in three out of the four games pretty much, but the bottom line is that they moved on. Uh, I expect them to uh, continue to play well. The, it comes down to, can they play defense like they did in game two of that series series? Cause if they can, I honestly think that there's no one in the East can stop them. The only mm-hmm. way I think the Cavs get stopped is by themselves and it really comes down to not playing defense. And this Cavaliers team is just – they can score points, which is great, but when they need a stop, they're just not making them on a consistent basis. No, and uh, also there are a lot of factors right now uh, playing into every team in the playoffs left. You know, can Boston overcome Isaiah Thomas and that tragedy? That awful news that you have to – pick yourself back up and play your biggest series in your life after your best friend just died. Um, San Antonio, uh, they're playing well. 
uh, Gordon State and Steve Kerr, he, he might be out for the rest of the playoffs. That's a huge loss. That's a big-time loss. Uh, Toronto doesn't really ex- excite or scare me. Milwaukee, I think, could be a challenge to Cleveland because the way Atentacumpo is playing, and I hope I didn't butcher that too much. Yeah. Uh, he could be a matchup problem for the Cavs. Yeah, but right now, I think the Cavs, difficult to say. Exactly. Yeah, right now, I you- think the Cavs. I think the Cavs roll through the East as much as my cousin doesn't want to hear that as he's a big-time Milwaukee Bucks fan and enjoying the first round. Uh, I think his swan song magical ride comes from the end of the second round. And I have Cleveland advancing to the finals. I have, I've had them all year advancing to the finals. Um, and right now with Golden State without Steve Kerr, that's a big-time loss. And Kevin Durant isn't healthy now, people can argue. Golden State plays better defense without Durant. Uh, But at the end of the day, you're still without Steve Kerr, who's a top three coach in the NBA, and you're without a top three player in the NBA, and Kevin Durant is strength. So when you have LeBron James playing the way he is, and I think game three, the 26-point comeback, I believe, that could be the spark the Cavs have been looking for. That could be the switch that makes them think, you know what? It's time to go. There's nothing we can't overcome, um, and it's time to roll. And yeah, you know that 26 point game that you're ta- you referenced there. It's uh, it it every year. There's always a game mm-hmm. that, in my opinion, in the last six seven years, this even goes beyond uh, the the return of LeBron the last three seasons for the Cavaliers. You can go back to last six, meaning back to the days in Miami. Is there's always one game that just – if you ever thought for a second that LeBron James wasn't the best player in the, on the planet, he always has one game to prove to you that you're not thinking properly. I mean, yeah, he, uh, I, know, I know there's other players that are exciting to watch, and I'm going to take nothing away from Steph. I don't want to take nothing away from you know Harden and what he does. I don't want to take nothing away you know, from anybody in the NBA, but – when you get down to it, the, I mean, we are so fortunate here in Northeast Ohio to have a player like this to watch each and every day and what he brings to the basketball court. Best player on the planet. There is no other way to put it. Well, let me say this, too. You know, we're blessed to watch the best player since Michael Jordan. Um, and I know some Kobe Bryant fans will disagree with that, but he's the best player since Michael Jordan. And he's also good off the court, too. Yeah. I mean, what he's done with St. V's and the children in Akron and the scholarships at the University of Akron, um, he's just an all-around, well-rounded person. And I think leaving Cleveland helped him grow up mature. And I think you're right. It, you know, that was like going away to college. What's that? I oh, think I'm sorry. Him uh, to I think him yeah. going to Miami was like him going to college. You, you hit, I was just going to say that. Every player, especially a player like LeBron James, who did not go to college, loves the idea of being recruited and being wanted. Mm-hmm. And free agency was his opportunity to be wanted. Now, it may have been already decided that the big three was going to you know, come together. 
mm-hmm. and most likely would have been in Miami like it was. That would not have surprised me if that was kind of these two, uh, t- these three players, you know, being the friends that they were, that this is what they wanted to do and how they were going to do it and, you know, made arrangements for it to happen. In the same vein, I think just like any player, you get to a certain level where you then look at it and say, what can I do next? And what can I, how can I improve my legacy? And I think how LeBron James improved his legacy is moved back to Cleveland or Northeast Ohio, I should say, simply because not only does he become a fan favorite again and, you know, people forgive him for what, ha- what you know, transpired in the show and everything else, you know, when he uh, made the decision to leave. I think what it does more than anything, it gives him a uh, an opportunity to uh, become that community leader that he wants to be, you know, beyond uh, the basketball court and what he uh, is trying to do in Akron with scholarships and opportunities, you know, to lower income uh, people who uh, need need assistance and what he wants to uh, to be that type of person who is beyond just the uh, the athleticism of a of a basketball player but a leader in a community and a leader that uh, people uh, admire and look up to and I think he's learned that from people that he's met outside basketball and what they have done and what they have achieved and it's given him drive to uh, do what he's doing and I think that's important and I think you know I, I never met LeBron James I probably never will but uh by how he handles himself. I'm impressed by his knowledge beyond the basketball court and what matters to uh, to a community. And I think he learned a lot when he got booed, uh, when he was a prior uh, here in uh, Northeast Ohio, and even in his hometown of Akron, where people were saying, you know, yeah, he's just the latest to leave town, not the latest, to, you know, to stay here and do something great. And I think he learned. I'm not saying he didn't want to succeed in Miami. Obviously, he did, and what he achieved in Miami will uh, will be part of his legacy. But uh, I think what he's done since then, and what he's done here in Northeast Ohio, is even maybe even greater. What he's done the last three years, because this big three is different from the one in Miami. Mm-hmm. Has a different feel, has a different belief, has a different system, and to be. And back-to-back championships is amazing to be five straight as a player that he has done and have the opportunity to uh, achieve the six straight finals if they the, if the Cavaliers can succeed this year. We'll wait and see. But uh, I love the idea that the Cavs now you know were able to get that sweep and uh, we'll face either Milwaukee or Toronto and, and we'll move forward. It should be a, a good series. And I honestly do believe, you know, when you, you look at Milwaukee, what they bring to the table – it's huge, and it's. And I think mm-hmm. uh, I love what they're trying to do there. I think long-term Milwaukee has a, a very bright future, and I think it's going to be a good challenge for both teams striving for something new and a team that has been to the finals to find its identity in the playoffs and make something happen. What LeBron has done, he's made playing in Cleveland cool. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. There are guys now that actually want to come to Cleveland and play in baseball, in football, um, and also in basketball. No, you're he's right. Made, he's made it cool. And, you know, I'm not a big it's NBA guy. I was not 
five years ago. Yeah, and for athletes, there's no doubt, no question about it. The yeah. destination that you know, if you're an NBA player and you have a chance to play for the Cavs, you're going to jump at it. If you're a Major League Baseball player and the Cleveland Indians are looking at you, who've been into the World Series and Game Seven, and you know everything that they have achieved, and you got Terry Francona on your team, and you have the pitching staff that you have, you have an Andrew Miller in the bullpen that's well known. Uh, you want to join that team, mm-hmm. you know. At least most players do, and that's where you're at. You know, the Browns they're they're achieving. Let's put it that way. They're going to give themselves the opportunity <laughs> to rebuild and. Uh, and see if they can become that destination place. But, you know, that's Northeast Ohio. That's where we stand right now. You know, you look at Columbus, you look at what uh, the Blue Jack has meant to that city this year, and you look at what, of course, the Buckeyes do every year, and you look at what Urban Myers has achieved uh, since taking over that program. You know, it's a destination. If you're you're a young kid who has, you know, yet to make this decision where you want to go, you want to be recruited by Ohio State. There's no question about it. You know, they're one, you know, Alabama, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Those are your two schools that everyone's talking about every year about mm-hmm. what yep. players and who's going to get who. And it really comes down to what um, both, you know, Nick Saban and Urban Meyer has meant to both programs and what they have achieved. It's it's really uh, an amazing thing to watch and uh, every day. You know, and that's why they are at the top of their their fields each and every year. I mean, yeah, there's a reason a why Nick Saban wins, and there's a reason why Urban Sa- Urban uh, wins every year. So you know, that's just the way it works. And there's a reason why Terry Francona has won, and there's a reason why LeBron James has won. Uh, it has a lot to do with the personalities, their ability to communicate, and their ability to attract other great talents around them. Yeah, I think it comes back to what Woody Hayes always said. And that you win with people. You got to surround yourself with good people that are hardworking. Sometimes they're not the most talented. But if they have the best attitude, most of the time they're going to win. And you saw that with Ohio State a couple years ago. Were they the most talented? Probably not. Was Clemson more talented than Alabama this year? Maybe. Most people would say no. But if you surround yourself with good people, most of the time you're going to win. I think that's what Nick Saban's done in Alabama. Meyer's done that at Florida and Utah and Ohio State now. Uh, And more so in Northeast Ohio, Bo's done that at YSU now in just two years, resurrecting a program that people were, well, okay, they're a middle-of-the-pack MVFC team through now they're playing for the national championship in two years and you can, and you'll see in two to three years that Jared Cahoon will have big time talent here at YSU and Bob Barnes or Bob, Bob Borden and John Barnes have kept that train rolling at YSU for the women's program as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think you hit it uh, right there. I mean, I love where Youngstown state sits right now. Uh, football-wise and basketball-wise. And now that we have our new head coach for the men's team and their activity within the community, it's an exciting time in Northeast Ohio. There's going to be a lot of – Two weeks in, the guy's already out. There's going to be a lot of things to watch and take – and and really, really take in in the next few years. I think uh, 
what Polini did to start this off, coming to Youngstown two years or three years ago now, and really jump-starting that program. Jim Trussell's return to Youngstown State as president. Yeah. I think these are the things that matter, uh, continue, and I think we're going to see that, you know, on the basketball court for the uh, for the men's program. And, you know, we're going to see maybe, uh, you know, Youngstown State challenge an Akron, a Kent State, a Cleveland State, as maybe the uh, the premier of, of uh, college basketball in the, in the future of Northeast Ohio. I mean, there's four schools right here, not even talking about Toledo, which is not far away, you know, and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that to uh, talk about the possibility of having a really a quadrant of the country here, a little section of the country where you're talking about four programs, maybe even five or six programs when you get down to it. You know, within really a stone's throw of driving distance away from each school, that can be uh, a very competitive and uh, important part of uh, the basketball scene here in the future. And and, and that's that's what we hope. I know I'm I'm I may be putting a little little ahead of the uh, you know the game here with the YSU basketball, but that's that's where we want to be. That's where the fans want. That's what the program wants. That's what the university wants. And it can happen. And I really, truly believe it will happen that we're talking about, you know, Youngstown State in the press of Akron and Kent State and Cleveland State here in the next, uh, you know, two, three seasons. YSU right now is good enough to compete with Kent and Akron. They beat Akron this year in the season opener and looked very good. So they're not far away from those schools. Um, Piggybacking off what you said, I think what the main theme of the past 15-minute discussion has been is it's cool to go home. You can go to home. Urban Meyer came back to Ohio State where he was a coach. Uh, Trussell returned home from you know from Akron to YSU. Jared Calhoun came back from Northeast Ohio. Bo Pliny came back to YSU. So. And LeBron James came home. All those guys yeah. are winners, and they all came home. And in five years, you could be looking at Northeast Ohio as the sports capital of the world. I mean, that's not far-fetched to say. LeBron could have back-to-back titles in Cleveland. Tito could bring a World Series to the Indians. The Browns, well, they'll always be the Browns. Um, <laughs> oh, I, we got analytics on our side. It's just a matter of time. Bo, I firmly believe, is going to win that elusive one for the thumb. I may be biased when I say that, but I firmly believe that YSU will win a football national championship. And I think Jared Calhoun will be in the Horizon League title game, and I wouldn't be surprised if the women's team is there too because you can see Green Bay starting to maybe lose a step and coming back to the pack. So there's a lot to be excited about in this area, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is where people look at when they think of the title towns and sports. Northeast Ohio could be it if you stretch it out to Columbus. Hey, why not? I mean, if the NFL claims its start in Canton, Ohio, and that's Northeast Ohio, you look at the uh, what has what type of history Northeast Ohio has in sports. It can happen. Uh, we'll wait and see. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, but I know what you're saying. And then yeah, I, I honestly, I honestly do like you know the positions of all the th- teams we talked about, and 
you know, we're going to get into all that. We got high school football, believe it or not, not that far away, as, as silly as it sounds, in April. Yeah. And, uh, and we're going to get into that when that begins. Um, but, you know, that we got some time before we get into that. We got the whole baseball season to talk about. We got the offseason here in the NFL. And uh, we got the NBA playoffs. So it's been fun. I think we're going to have a lot more to talk about here. We'll get more into the basketball season as it progresses here because this is the uh, the season everyone waits for, the playoffs. And, we, you know, look, we're spoiled. I, I'm, a, I'm a Cavs fan. I'm spoiled. I've been to the finals two years in a row. You know, I want to get back. You know, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to be playing the Cavaliers, you know, from the seventies. Come on Cavs. Got to make it happen. <laughs> you know, it's my ringtone. I'm going to keep it. I, this is the things I want. And we're going to have some fun here in Northeast Ohio, because that's what it's all about uh, as a sports fan. And uh, I can't wait to get up to Cleveland this year to see the, uh, the Indians play. And there's some more things going on. And we're going to talk about here and hopefully, uh, You'll join us here in the future on uh, Facebook and on uh, Google Hangout Live, on air live, as we're going to try this uh, here in the future. And uh, you're going to be able maybe to chime in in a, a chat box, and we'll be able to uh, interact with our, our listeners as we go on. So anything's possible. This This podcast is just starting. And we're only on episode four, but I really love what we're trying to do here. And I think it's just a matter of you guys staying with us, spreading the news about who we are and what we're doing here in Northeast Ohio. And we're going to continue to uh, to bring something to this valley and beyond. You know, this is Radio MVP, the Valley's Most Valuable Podcast, <laughs> as we continue here. I just wanted to... You know, get that in line again and remind everybody, go to our website, RadioMVP.com. Go to our Facebook page, Radio MVP. Just type that in. I'm sure you'll find us. And uh, we're going to be promoting it. Uh, Anthony's going to have a blog on the uh, Facebook page here in the next day or two. So stay tuned for that as uh, we try to wrap it up here as we're making our uh, here on uh, Google Hangout on air. So, uh this and be able to do it this way and we're going to have obviously always have the audio downloads available so this is just a another opportunity for us to experiment and to uh, grow this uh, podcast yeah just uh, one once again thank everybody who's uh, tuned in over the past couple of weeks i've received a lot of good shout out from my friends in minnesota and indiana and illinois and so it's now reaching nationally. Uh, two guys talking about Northeast Ohio sports has really resonated across the Midwest and now down in the South. Uh, once again, uh, follow us on Facebook. Uh, we'll start getting that more active with uh, blogs. I'll be posting a blog later tonight or uh, tomorrow. Uh, trying to go ahead up to Jacobsfield. It will always be the Jake to me. Uh, trying to head up there this weekend possibly for the series against the Mariners, or maybe make a day trip to Motown and see him play Detroit next week. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I'll tell yeah. you what, Anthony, you and I will have to uh, make a uh, make some plans to go up to uh, to the Jake uh, and uh, enjoy the afternoon or evening of baseball Richard together. Film Radio MVP live from the Jake. Just may do that. 
All right. Hey, thanks again, Anthony, for your time. I will look forward to it. That's Anthony Kepley. I'm Tim Continenza. This has been Radio MVP Podcast, our maiden voyage on Google Hangout. Hope you enjoyed it. We're going to be talking to you all soon, uh, very shortly. This was episode number four. It'll be up on the website here shortly, and we will also uh, be able to uh, maybe post this on my uh, – I guess it's called on YouTube. So I'm, yeah. I'm still learning as we go, and uh, but we'll, uh, we'll have it all for you very shortly. I want to thank you again for tuning in. I want to thank Anthony for taking his time to uh, work this with me. And again, I can't stress this enough. Get us some likes on the Facebook page and go to our website and leave some comments. They're going to be available both uh, on that and, of course, our SoundCloud too. But it's all downloadable. Don't worry about it. You don't have to listen to it on. You can listen to it on the website. But if you don't have that you know, time, you can download it and listen to it in your car or wherever you uh, choose to uh, listen to our podcast. We appreciate you taking the time for doing that. For Anthony, I'm Tim. Have a great day, everyone.